unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm excited for this episode because uh, we're tackling something that's kind of a not very talked about thing in copywriting, and uh, it was something that was brand new to me, and I approached you about it, and you, you, were, you were all over it already, so uh, I'm ready to jump into it. Sure. Okay. So uh, the question people always have is, is how do you start? And I'm not talking about the headline. Of course, uh, with, you know, most long form copy or even, you know, a short sales page, uh, you're going to have a headline first. But then there's the next part, which is your first sentence known as your lead. And I want to go way back to the days when dinosaurs were still roaming the earth, when I was a journalist and I was trained as a journalist that there were two types of stories. If you weren't writing editorials or op-eds or columns, right? There were two types of stories. I was trained to do news stories and feature stories. And uh, a news story is something like you'd see from the Associated Press or what you'd see on breaking news on TV these days. It starts with a quick, curiosity-provoking sentence that basically summarizes what the story's about, but, you know, creates enough curiosity so that you want to stick around for the rest. That's a news story. And then a feature story, that's more like what you'd see in a magazine like Rolling Stone or maybe Esquire, GQ. Uh, those are old school magazines that are still around. They're online. And a feature story would start differently. Playboy is a perfect example. Um, it starts with an anecdote. It, it starts with a slice of life. <clears throat> um, it's, it starts maybe with a startling fact. But it's other than a, an addressing the subject of the story directly, okay? And so there's the news story, which is very direct, and the feature story, which is indirect. And in copy, we have what are called direct leads and indirect leads. And uh, for that, I really need to credit my friends, uh, John Ford. He's my friend, and Mark Ford is not yet my friend. I hope he will be someday, but he's someone I really look up to. Um, Now, Mark Ford has a pen name, which is Michael Masterson, And they wrote a a book called Great Leads, which I'll talk about in a little bit. They're the first ones I know of who identified this important difference. And we're going to talk about which one you can use and should use in starting your copy, because that choice will have a dramatic impact, positive or negative, on your sales if you know the right one to choose. And that's what we're going to cover. So basically what you're saying is the way that you start out your copy, not just the headline, but the way that you actually introduce people into your copy um, can have a huge impact on whether or not they'll actually continue reading it. And that also depends on where the reader is at as far as their relationship to what you're trying to sell them. I think that's right. I think that's what I'm saying. Um, There's a 
another piece to it that I think is equally important. And that is that the way you start is going to set your reader's frame of mind for being receptive. And that depends on what you're selling. And that depends on the, on the things you were just saying on their relationship to what it is that you're going to be selling them. So that might sound a little murky. We'll get it crystal clear um, very soon. But first, I, I want to give my familiar advisory. Um, and this is very direct, <laughs> direct. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So now let's jump into direct and indirect leads. But let's start with definitions, okay? I sort of described it above, but let me define it now. Uh, above, I always think in terms of on the page before. Okay, so a direct lead is where you present a big promise or a problem solution that has to do directly with what your offer can provide your prospect. And an indirect lead is where you're indirect. You start on a topic or subject that's different than what your offer is really about. Now, both kinds of leads are legitimate. Both are okay. Both are ethical. Both are moral. Both are effective. Both are used all the time, only one at a time, but they're both used by different, sometimes by the same marketer with different pieces one at a time, all the time. And the thing is, there's a lot of confusion about which is which and when to use each type. And like I said, we're going to clear that up today. And it may change some people's minds on how to use each type. So before we dig into that, let's look at an example of each type so people will know what we're talking about. Before we get the example, can I ask for a clarification real quick? Mm -hmm. So like a direct lead is when you're just kind of you just come right out and say what you're getting at. And an indirect lead is where you kind of have to um, kind of soothe your way into it. Is that, am I correct in that? Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, soothe might be one way of putting it. It's, it's not always a, a delicate, tender situation. Sometimes it is though. Uh, if, if you think of our last great episode with, Dave Allen, and he's talking about magic. You know, a magician uses misdirection. And to be totally blunt about this, a direct lead is a little bit of misdirection. It starts you in one direction, and then it takes you to what you really want to talk about. And by the way, people do this all the time, and it's okay. But yeah, that's what it is. Okay, nice. All right, so examples. Um, let's say I was going to be introducing a new copywriting course that I had created a new copywriting course and I was writing a sales letter or a VSL or a newspaper ad or a magazine ad or some kind of sales piece for it. Here's a direct lead. After the headline, this is copy. If writing's too hard, if it takes too long, 
or if it's not getting you the results you want, here's a way to make it easier, faster, and much more profitable every time you write copy. Okay, that's pretty direct, right? There's a promise there, and I hit the nail on the head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, it gets right to the point right away. Okay, so let me give you um, an example of an indirect lead, and I'm coming up with this on the fly, so it might be uh, a little wordy or or tentative or uh, dreamy or whatever. But in 1987, I met a guy named Jim Camp, and by all external appearances, he and I would never have even talked to each other. For one thing, he was a fighter pilot in the Air Force in Vietnam, and the same time, I was a very loyal, liberal, anti-war protester. Uh, for another thing, he went to college at Ohio State, which was the mortal enemy of the school I went to, which was the University of Michigan. And okay, I could go on like that for a while and talk about, yet when I met him, he showed me something, he taught me something that changed my life, improved my income, reduced my stress, blah, 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 blah all of which would be true, all of which is true. And then I could, of course, transition into, in the same way, you know, that Jim Camp helped me, I'd like to help you. But not with what he helped me with, but something real close, which is copywriting. And and then I could go on from there. So you, you see the difference now, and you already saw it, but is do you think that'll be clear for our listeners? Yeah, it's it's kind of like both of them get to the point. Uh, the first one, the direct one, gets straight to the point, and the indirect one pulls you in with a story and eventually gets to the point. So um, I, I guess we're going to get into why you would use each one versus the other in different types of situations. We are. One way of describing the indirect lead is, you know, uh, an old colloquial saying, I go the long way around the barn. Mm. No. Okay. So let's talk about um, what the, the innovation that Jack Ford and Michael Masterson, which is a pen name of Mark Ford, and they're not related, by the way. They have last name. It sounds the same. They spell it a little differently, each one of them. But um, they printed, they published a book with AWAI called Great Leads. That was in 2011. So that was a few years ago. And it, they have a, a diagram in the book that basically says this. You use a direct lead for an audience that is most aware of the problem they have and the products or services which are already in the marketplace for a solution. And this comes from Gene Schwartz's um, awareness scale from his book, Breakthrough Advertising. Now, just to be clear, my book's called Breakthrough Copywriting. His book, great classic, great breakthrough advertising. Okay, so direct, most aware, and as you move down the scale, indirect is least aware for people who are not aware of this and not aware of anything like what you're going to sell or you or anything else. and. So their key point is the less aware your reader is, the more indirect you want your lead to be. 
And that might have been true um, seven years ago. It's not true today. And the very companies that Jack and Mark are most associated with are using indirect leads in very different circumstances, which I'll explain. But, you know, the market has become saturated. Technology has changed everything, um, including certain aspects of copywriting. It hasn't changed human nature, but it's certainly changed how you want to get someone's attention and how you keep it. So let's look at real life. Let's look at you and maybe your sister or a friend or uh, maybe, um, you know, someone in your mastermind group. Let's say you're having a one-on-one conversation with them on the phone or over beer, whatever, right? When we're in, in that kind of conversation, when you or I or someone else is in that kind of conversation, when are we usually very direct? It's usually when there's a problem and we want them to see it. Uh, I remember last week a friend of mine was over and he was talking about this woman he's interested in dating and he kept making all these excuses for behavior that I could see was really manipulative and, and, you know, to his disadvantage. And I said to him, you're being played. And he said, it's funny. My son told me the same thing. So his son and his buddy were being very direct with him because there was a problem and his son wasn't there. This was in a different conversation with his son. Another time when you'll be very direct with someone is urgency. I mean, have you seen that insurance commercial where a guy is on a, a float in the parade and his butt is on fire? The, the whole float is on fire and his, his clothing is on fire. And they say, you're on fire, man. And he thinks they're saying, oh, you're so cool. And they're saying, no, you're really on fire. That's, that's being direct. He thought they were being indirect, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now, when are we indirect in a conversation with a friend? Usually when it's something that we're uncomfortable with or is a delicate type of uh, situation. Right. That's, that's what most people think of, and that's true. But there are a few other times when we do that. One is when we're trying to persuade them, and we don't want to just start hitting the nail on the head. When you've got a, a big idea or something that's going to require a lot of change in their life or a lot of money or a lot of trouble, you might start out a little differently than just getting right to the point if you want to be effective. You sort of learn this from experience, perhaps, by being direct all the time because you think you're being an honest person and you find that it blows up in your face so many times that you finally say, well, maybe I need a little more flexibility. <laughs> and so with persuasion, a lot of times we're indirect at first before we wind our way around the barn to get to the point. Mm. There are a couple other times when we're indirect in conversation. One is when we're shooting the breeze you know, not having a particularly structured conversation or relaxed and just talking about this, that, and the other thing. And then there's another time when we're indirect, when we're muddy, when we're muddled, when we're uncertain, when we haven't really thought it through to get clarity. This is the situation with a lot of intelligent, successful people when they come across a challenge they haven't been able to solve. I've found 
both in casual conversations like at masterminds and also with my clients who are generally very focused, decisive people. But sometimes there are situations where there are so many factors floating around that it's it's hard to get clarity. Sometimes when we're looking for clarity, we'll be indirect. Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leave you with cookie-cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. Sometimes you have to walk around the idea from a different, a couple different angles before you can get a really clear vision of what it is. And uh, I think also when you said persuasion, um, I know that sometimes if you just try and come out and force an idea on people that they're not comfortable with yet, uh, that just doesn't work. It just puts up a brick wall. So you have to slowly get there so that they kind of come to the idea themselves rather than feeling like it's forced on them. Yeah, that's true. I used to do that um, again when dinosaurs roamed the earth <laughs> and never worked. And I never understood why, because it made sense to me and I was being honest. If it makes sense to me and I'm being honest, then everyone else should agree with me, right? <laughs> In a perfect world, yeah. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't always work that way. So, yeah. So, um, now, that fourth thing about getting clarification in our own minds, that's pretty much what Jack and Mark were talking about. And that certainly works today. But there's another situation. And this is, well, put it this way. These days, because the market is so saturated because there are things people want and need, and they've already been bombarded by so many commercials, ads, VSLs, sales letters for solutions to that. Even if you have a great product, if you come up to them with the same thing, they're going to tune you out. If an offer is overpitched, then a direct lead is probably not going to work, and you'll have a much better shot at convincing somebody at making the sale if you use an indirect lead in a saturated market, which is exactly the opposite of what they say in great leads. But again, it was written at a different time. So I think I've made it pretty clear about where you want to use an indirect lead. When would you use a direct lead? There are a few situations. The most common situation with a lot of people is you'll use a direct lead after you've made your first sale, which you probably made with an indirect lead. And when you're doing an upsell and the upsell is really powerful, might be very expensive, but they already know you. There's a level of trust and familiarity. So that's one situation. And 
you would use a direct lead on a front end when someone has a particular urgent problem and they haven't been able to find a satisfactory solution for it. If you can say in a few words or in a few sentences that yours works, why it's different, how it's different, and that can be convincing. You can be very direct. Uh, this is particularly true with pain medications. I have one client who, not medications, but supplements. I have one client who has a particular pain supplement that is so radically different um, from everything else people have seen. And people who try it stay on it forever. He even has a board certified critical care MD who <laughs> had broken his body in over 20 places. And because he'd been a rodeo clown in previous life, imagine that. And uh, this guy uses the main ingredient from his supplement. Uh, you know, he has access to everything. He can write himself a script for anything he wants, but this is the one he chose. So in a situation like that, you can use a direct lead. And let's just summarize real quickly. How do you do a direct lead? You get right to the point. You make a big promise or you offer a problem solution. Let me give you um, an example again. Let's say I was at a marketing conference. Let's say, God forbid, I was a traffic and conversion. Nothing wrong with that place, except my idea of a good time is not having 5,000 people mm. buzzing around me, okay? Um, for all you fellow introverts out there and sister introverts, yay! For you extroverts, you probably wonder if I'm crazy. Well, this probably isn't the first time you've wondered that. Okay. Um, so uh, let's say I was at a conference and I pulled someone aside. Maybe we were, you know, a few blocks away from the convention center. And they say, David, you know, I got to tell you something. <sighs> my copy's not converting and my business is going to go under. I And it used to. If I were going to pitch a critique, which I probably would, I might get right to the point. I say, look, maybe you need a critique. I helped somebody double his sales with a critique. And I, I've helped many other people improve their conversions very quickly, right? It's an urgent problem. But let's say that um, I, I was talking to someone who had a business, but I could tell everyone pitches them all the time. They were oversaturated and they've heard of me, but they don't know much about me. And we're having a good conversation. They say, so, hey, David, what do you do? I might start a conversation about George, who is my music producer. And he's also my teacher and he sets himself up that way. He positions himself that way. I mean, and I might say, you know, I was, I made it so far with my music. And then all of a sudden progress seemed to stop. The harder I practiced, the more frustrated I got. And I met this guy named George. In fact, my friend Delberman Dan introduced me to him. True story. And George uh, started to show me things that were completely outside my realm of things I could or should or would want to do. And all of a sudden, my music's come up to the next level. And then I could transition and I could say, mm, you know, um, so I don't know how your business is doing. It certainly sounds like it's great. But if 
there are some pieces that aren't performing the way they could, and you've tried everything. I do critiques, and I do the same thing for other people that George did for me. And see how that's a much more indirect lead. I'm I'm speaking it, but again, I, I have always believed, and I'm not the only one who believes this, that copy is the spoken language in written form. So I'm demonstrating this now in spoken form, obviously. Mm. The way that you did it that way, it gets to the same point, but in a situation where someone's guard is going to be up, it helps you it helps you get around those defenses before you get to the pitch. Yeah. And that's exactly the point. That's the reason why so many top copywriters and top marketers are using indirect leads these days. Nice. So, how do you do an indirect lead? Well, probably the best way is to start with a story, a personal story or a metaphor. Or best of all, a story that you can use as a metaphor. I mean, I can use the story about George as a metaphor for my critiques because he did critique my music. But unlike all the other people who said, no, David, you played a B flat where you should have played a D sharp. You know, they say, here, let me show you how you can make this better. Here, let me do this for you. Why don't you try this? Right. Very different approach, which is a lot like the approach I use. Strangely enough. <laughs> so, so how do you transition from an indirect lead to your body copy? Um, by pointing out the similarities. And here are three phrases you can use. You can use the phrase, just as. You can use the phrase, I mentioned that because, and then introduce your next topic. Mm. Or you can use the phrase, suppose you were to do the same thing with Suppose you were to do the same thing with your copy. Get someone who could work with you to help you improve it, right? Those are nice transitions I've found at work. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's perfect. So before we're out of here, I just want to, I kind of want to make a, um, not really a clarification, but um, just give a couple examples since we've gone over this stuff. Things that I've noticed, um, direct leads, they work really well on things like uh, landing pages where you're sending somebody to a landing page, they already know what to expect and you're, it's not a very big hurdle that they have to get over. So you don't have to beat around the bush. Just tell them, Hey, this is what I got for you. This is what you have to do to get it. Uh, mm -hmm. Indirect leads work really well on like social media. Whenever I do an indirect lead on Facebook, uh, I always get way better response than just a straight up direct pitch on Facebook. So that's kind of two examples of where the audience is at, where they're primed, and which way to approach it. And then the weird thing about it is in email, I tend to vary it up. Sometimes I send emails with straight up direct leads, and then sometimes I, I send emails with indirect leads. And by varying them up, um, it keeps my open rates high. It keeps my click-through rates high. So it, it really comes down to knowing where the audience is at, knowing what they're going to respond to, and knowing how to pull off both of them. So I think that uh, if, if I was going to give anybody a recommendation, I would say go back and listen to this episode again with the knowledge that you've gained throughout it. Go back and listen to it again, and you're going to pick up a lot more stuff the second or the third time through. Yeah, I, I like all of your examples a lot. I think people should follow them. All three, uh, landing page example, social media post example, and email example. And let me just make a comment on the email example. 
when you have an email list, you have permission to be direct with people, but you don't always want to. You don't always have that urgency. You don't always have that immediate problem, or maybe better stated, they don't. So that's why it's good to mix it up. So if somebody does have the problem and they happen, and this has probably happened to you, right, Nathan? It happened to me. They do have the problem and email hits them on the day when they're struggling with it. They'll call you or they'll text you or they'll message you. Yep. So, David, a fantastic episode. I'm so glad that uh, you, d- you decided to take this topic on. I know that it was kind of a, it was a beefy topic to take on, and I think you just you hit it out the ballpark, man. Well, thanks. My, my brain's recovered from doing the show notes, and that's a good thing. Awesome. What do we have coming up next week? Next week, we're going to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is a, a psychological concept that actually applies beautifully to marketing. Sweet. All right. I can't wait. Okay. Copywriters until next time, make sure that you check out the copywriters podcast website, copywriterspodcast.com. You can download a ton of our episodes there. Make sure that you're subscribed and you rate and review the podcast on iTunes and we will catch you next time. See you next week. If you found this show valuable, and you'd like to get it in the ears of other people, the best way to do that is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes.